Cool. I uh, was very sad to miss last night. Uh, I heard it was a, a, a good night and a, uh, a time of creativity and sharing. So this is uh, exciting. I, I, tonight, today for me is a little bit of some of where my creativity meets my faith, and particularly I doubt. It's a very interesting topic for Palm Sunday. Uh, it's not a very triumphant sort of entry Sunday for us today, but I really hope that through it you find uh, hope hidden within doubt, which is kind of uh, my hope for this morning. Uh, we've been doing a series called Reframe, and I'm just going to ignore the tinniness in my voice because it'll just bug me for a little bit, but we'll get through it. Um, you can't listen to yourself. Can anyone like the sound of their voice when you listen to yourself on the phone? No. Why is that? Politicians. I guess you just have to get used to it. In uh, Reframe, what we've been asking ourselves is, what are some of the ways of thinking that kind of hold us back from growing into the people who look like Jesus or resemble the sort of life that we think uh, comes with the life following God. And we've been challenging each other to say, like, during Lent, we often let go of things or give things up for a season. We've been trying to do one of the hardest things to give up, right, which is a way of thinking. Uh, ways of thinking are, are very challenging to hold on to uh, and to, to give up. They can, can be very difficult. So we've been doing that and also trying to cling to the hope that we have in God, some of the things that we feel like are very uh, encouraging to us. And so what I wanted to do is uh, start off my talk uh, building on what Lacey did a couple weeks ago. So she's talked about vulnerability, and I'm going to build off of that, hopefully. Um, but I just want to start with the story. Uh, I, I think I may have shared this before. I'm kind of running out of material, so we'll just go with this for anyway. Uh, I, was, I first met Lacey in Virginia Beach. I was working for a Christian organization that was evangelical in nature. We would go off and share our faith with people. I really enjoyed having spirit, like discussions with people about what they believe, uh, but there's other aspects about, about it that I found challenging. Um, but, but I was on this project for a summer, they called them summer projects, and we would go off and spend the summer on a beach, which was a pretty sweet gig, working, and then going to the beach and hanging out and sharing, uh, having discussions about faith. And uh, one, uh, during that time, I was, I was on staff, so I was um, only there for half the summer. I met someone who, he was, an older guy, he was an older student, really considered, thoughtful person, and he asked, he's like, Justin, can we go get a coffee? And I was like, sure, totally, I love to catch up. I always tell stories about getting coffees. I don't get coffee, right? But it's the, <laughs> I, the act of getting coffee with each other to have these conversations. So we went off, off-site uh, away, and we went to this quiet bookshop, and we were just sitting there talking. And I can still remember this. He, he, like, he took his coffee like, in his hands, and he like, leaned over to me, and he was like, Justin, you know, I really struggle to believe that what we're doing out there, the, the, the gospel, the, the story we tell about uh, what God's doing in the world is actually the story. And he, he kind of whispered it. I could see there's like a seriousness, like he was very considered. It wasn't like a passing thought, uh, but there was a heaviness to it, like that he could only share it with me in this setting and the safety away from everyone else here in this coffee shop between the two of us. And then my reaction, because anybody who knows me loves that I like questions probably more than answers, like I just started riffing all my questions as well. And it, it was one of these moments that kind of erupted. It started with this sort of vulnerable sharing of questions that they had about their faith. And it turned into a, a time of connection for us. There was like a, a moment of community. I felt really known, and it actually was very invigorating for me because I was feeling very similar there. Like, hey, I have lots of questions too. Uh, and it felt like there's the safety to talk about it. 
so that was really a highlight moment for me. And then six months later, so I left. I was very eager to see him when I went to a conference put on by this organization. And I bumped into him in like a foyer area. And we were talking, and I was asking him questions to follow up. And he was just like, can we, we, can't, can we talk about this another time? And it was that moment where I was like, it wasn't safe in this crowd to talk about what we are talking about. Has anyone had experience like that in church before with, with your friends? Like, it was this strange sense where I was like, it's not okay to have these questions, what often gets labeled doubt. And, and so we did catch up later, and it, that, that part of the story was okay. We, we kind of built on from that. But so often in the evangelical tradition in particular, our belonging is based on belief, right? Like, so much of why you go to this church and not that church is because of beliefs. So if you start to question any of them or even have a different experience, all of a sudden, there's all this weight to it. There is a weight to our doubt that then becomes like, I, I'm not okay. I can't, I can't be here if I'm in doubt. And this was my experience often in evangelical ch churches, is that if you had questions, you would concealed them because we had framed doubt as something to be denied or hidden. I have a very simple model. I'm sure that this is not how it is for everybody. This is just how it has been for me. And I was trying to think of like how I've experienced doubt in my life. And it usually comes like this. I will have a moment where I encounter difference. That's the delta is just my symbol for difference, the big triangle. And it's either from something intellectual, like it's, it's a difference here. Somebody tells me something in the story, or I read part of the scripture, and it's like, what the heck is that? Right? And there's some sort of questioning that comes with my doubt, like that comes there. So sometimes you get difference from intellect. I often get these when I'm watching like science movies or other things that stir up questions about my faith, purely from like a head level. Does that make sense? And then I also sometimes will have difference of experience. So during the seasons of my life, I will encounter something different than normal. It could be a, a sense of absence. It could be a pain. It could be an ugliness within me or in something else. And what happens then is that my experience might lead to me questioning <laughs> or it might lead to me experiencing fear. And that's quite common for me, that often in my seasons of doubt, what happens is a sense of fear. One, because I'm afraid of losing my sense of belonging to a community. I also am afraid of losing a sense of my worth and meaning in the world. Uh, and then there's this option that I think that co quite commonly happens in the evangelical tradition, at least for me, was that we try to deny it. We just try to white knuckle it. We try to ignore the question or the absence or the feeling, and we hope that it'll go away. But my experience has been that it doesn't go away. What goes away is your faith. What goes away is your heart, your humanity. What goes away is you. Something less than you remains. A hollowed out you is there. But denial is not the, the way that I have found gives life. It is not the road to life. In fact, I, don't, I, I would argue that doubt itself uh, is not a sign of death at all. The feeling that comes with denial is an indifference, an apathy, a numbness. That is more a sign of death than you're doubting. And so like, this to me has been how I have experienced it. Uh, and I'll just share a story of how that's played out for me. Um, this totally is not meant to be like everyone's experience. This is just how I've found it. So if yours has been different, uh, that's totally cool. Uh, 
Mosaic was in a, in, a, in a stretch a few years ago where I felt like there was a community in pieces. And we were in pieces and we were trying to figure out a way forward. And uh, during that season, I had really stopped hearing from God. I had this difference in experience. I, I, I wasn't sensing the presence of God as I normally had. And because of that, I found it really hard to be a contributing member in the community. Just, I was in a season of dryness. And because of that dryness, I was questioning a lot of my faith. And so that's how I've see, really seen that play out. And during that questioning, I was very lucky to have the opposite of the experience that I had before. Where instead of being in a community where I felt like I had to hide that, I was quite open with my questioning. And the community didn't, no one kicked me out, no one labeled me as a troublemaker. They just were, uh, they were open to hearing me and processing with me. And I shared a lot of that struggle with the community. Some people did find it hard. There were a few people who questioned whether or not I should be speaking at times when they knew that I was going through this season. Uh, I'm not saying it's light <laughs> to share your doubt. It does feel vulnerable and scary. But what ended up happening is through uh, the nurturing of the community, uh, by processing it with people here, by having the space, I eventually went and uh, got, uh, had a few sessions with the spiritual director. And during those sessions with the spiritual director, and I was working through talking about it, talking about my experience, how, kind of trying to, to understand what I was believing, I realized that something in me was stirring up and changing. And the spiritual director said to me, he goes, Justin, when I listen to you framing all of this, my question to you is, have you ever considered that God's response in this experience is to help you grow? And I said, no. Not at all. And I was very frustrated by that response, and I walked away angry. And then I came back and considered it again, like, could God's absence in my life be a gift to me? That doesn't make sense. It doesn't compute. And then I was reminded by someone else that if we have the radical audacity, like the, the audacity to believe that God is this loving being, a person that's going to be in relationship with, we cannot contain God in our constructs. They will break down. And then they will be reborn again. And the beauty of relationship, like who in our lives have we said like, oh, I know you, and then that person has never behaved in a way contrary to our model, right? <laughs> Beings are dynamic. They, they are beyond that. And I think so often in our evangelical tradition, what we fell in love with was not this wild being that we call God, the unfathomable one. We fell in love with a construct that gave safety, at least for me. And our faith requires much more dynamic and elasticity and a, an ability to, to open up about it uh, and to respond and give God the room and permission to be this wild being of God. And that can be challenging for us, I think, as people. Luckily, the scriptures give us a different way of engagement than I think a lot of us grew up with. And the example to me is, uh, I take so much from is the psalmist. And in fact, as we move to Good Friday, what I really love about giving this talk now is because what we're about to go see on Friday is how Jesus responds to living this life out in front of God. 
The psalmist has this, like, when you read the psalms, has anyone ever read the psalms and be like, you can't say that in church? You, like, some of the psalms are crazy, right? They're really vindictive. I, I, I was going to go through a couple, but I don't really want to spend the time today because we're going to read Psalm 22, which is what Jesus quotes on the cross, right? Why, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Like, there's, there's just raw kind of whatever's going on in there is coming out in the psalm, is it not? There's a psalm, Psalm 137, where they're a captive in Babylon. And if you read that psalm about what they wish happens to their captors, you're like, you can't say that. That's not a Christian thing to say. It gets nasty, right? Like, talk about babies being, like, thrown against the rocks. Like, that is not something that we would ever want to talk about or encourage in community. But I tell you this, if you look at the ugliness within you, what do you do with it? What do you do with those emotions, the, the things inside that, like, for so often we try to deny them? But what the psalmist posture is, is to take all that's within us, the good and the bad, and direct it in speech towards God. And in fact, you know, when I go to poetry slams and poetry nights, you hear some nasty stuff about what's going on in people's lives. But you know what? After reading the psalms, I hear prayer. Because that's kind of how the psalmist pray. And in fact, like, uh, I, I want to, what did I do with that? Um, read you a couple quotes. You may have heard these before. They're from two of my favorite uh, thinkers on scripture, uh, old Eugene, who just passed. Uh, he says this, untutored, we tend to think that prayer is what good people do when they are at their best. It is not. In experience, we suppose that there must be insider language that must be acquired before God takes us seriously in our prayer. There is not. Prayer is elemental, not advanced language. It is, by, it is the means by which our language becomes honest, true, and personal in our response to God. It is the means by which we get everything in our lives out in the open before God. Everything in our lives out in the open before God. And then this one, I just... This one says this, the Psalms are an assurance to us that when we pray and worship, we are not expected to censor or deny the deepness of our own human pilgrimage. Rather, we are expected to submit it openly and trustingly so that it can be brought to eloquent and passionate speech addressed to the Holy One. We are not expected to censor or deny the deepness of our own human pilgrimage. We are expected to submit it openly and trustingly so that it can be brought to the eloquent and passionate speech addressed to the Holy One. I think the posture that we get in Scripture is that our doubt, whether that is an experiential or its questions, is not something to be denied. It is something to be expressed in speech to God. And the Psalms aren't just a collection of prayers given to God. They're a collection of prayers that were prayed communally. And so I think the posture of the psalmist dealing with doubt, dealing with our experience, is that it was shared with each other and shared with God. And that there was room for the psalmist to be in the, that position of lament, to be in that position of questioning, of abandonment, but still belong. So like how we handle our doubt, I think, also challenges what it means for us to belong. And in Mosaic, we've talked about this, like, you belong here, you're welcome here, not because of what you believe. Your posture towards living life, towards Jesus, for some of us, that's our, that's our core. Our core is that those are, are, are postured towards living a life in Jesus. But anyone here who's, who's, they're hungry to grow, that posture towards life, like, I've been so thankful over the course of our years that we've had people who are 
openly atheist in our community, openly agnostic, because it reminds me that they can be here, they can be trying to live life the best they can and still uh, be a part of this community, right? And I, just, I think so much of our concern and that fear that boils into, I don't think is of God. I think God's care and heart for us is for us to grow. And sometimes, because God is a wild one, it does not make sense. It will not fit our constructs. And so it is so natural to then question, to wrestle, for our constructs to break down. And I think the place to do that is in community, not out of it, not isolated on our own. So I guess my heart and my hope is as we move towards Easter and on Good Friday, those questions, those experiences that you have, that you would be encouraged to put it in prayer and that you would be willing to share it before God and be willing to open ourselves up to have God respond in whatever way God acts. And so I think my, my overall summary for, for this morning is that we reframed doubt. It is not a sign of death. Doubt are growing pains. As we grow in life, expect it. Expect your doubt to be there, your questions, your experience. Those are signs of growth. They're not signs of death. Now, if we just live in that questions, if we just live in that place, yeah, totally, you can just stagnate but it can also be a doorway to walk through, an experience to be embraced and opened up before God, and uh, a chance that we might expand our faith. I think to me the core of this is that our, uh, Phil once said to me, uh, our faith should change, go through massive shifts every 10 years. And why is that? Because we follow a wild, vibrant being who's putting this world right, and our constructs will never fit. And we'll have to always keep uh, re-understanding that. So I invite you to engage with your doubts, to engage with those experiences. Put it to speech. Put it to prayer.